Okay, first of all, um, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Carl Ritzman. I'm from Kitchener. Thomas Nitz, also from Kitchener. But um, I think what I need to do is um, just uh, give you a little uh, rundown. Um, I got here late last night at 3.30 in the morning, early in the morning, actually. And um, some of these questions um, they got handed in, and um, I've seen some of them for the last 15 minutes. 20 minutes. So we're going to try, both uh, Tom and I, we're going to try to answer these questions um, as adequately as we can. But please understand there's a lot of questions and we're going to try to go through them and do the best we can. And um, we're going to make ourselves available that if you want to further discuss any of these, that we will be available and we can also give you emails and stuff that um, you can contact us even after camp type of thing. Um, I think what we're going to do is, maybe before we start, um, I think we really realize that um, we need God's presence really with us as we answer these questions. So let's start with prayer. Our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Father, we recognize that you are supreme and we really ask right now that you would be among us that your Holy Spirit would be in this place as it has been this week already. And Father, we pray, I just pray for Tom and I as we would go through some of these questions. Father, pray that your Holy Spirit would be able to work through us mightily. We pray that we could answer these questions so that they could have meaning to those that have asked them. We thank you for those that have asked the questions. These are real questions, real-life situations. And, Father, we recognize that you ultimately can answer any question better than we can. So we pray that we could be used as tools in your hand and that we could bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. What we were able to do is uh, take the questions that were submitted and uh, we tried to group them together in uh, like themes and to the best of our ability and, and to the best of our chronological limitations, we will try to uh, cover each group of uh, questions and, and, be, and target the question that you have asked. But um, if you don't hear your question um, uh, addressed well enough, then I, I ask that you would uh, come and see us. It's not that we didn't consider it, but again, our time is so limited, and um, I've proven that I don't do time very well. Um, one of the the, the groupings that we good point. Thank you, Carl. Um, I, I want to oh, thank. We're, we're going to interject back and forth. Yeah, he's he's not really being rude. We, we gave him license to do that. Um, I want to thank everybody for, for being open and honest in these questions. Now, I know they're anonymous, um, but I appreciate that you opened yourself up enough and, and made your, laid yourself bare to a certain extent. And, and uh, I hope that the Spirit, through the, um, the, the words that we are going to say, will be able to speak to your heart. And, and I, I think deeper than the strokes on the on the page that these pens have made there are uh, issues uh, in our lives that we don't even know what these issues are or the cry of our heart is something that we can't even put words to and so i hope that the spirit will be able to um, uh, reach into your heart and and try to answer some of those questions um, the groupings that we we've put together are uh, relationships um, a relationship with God, with uh, male-female relationships and parental relationships. Uh, one that we put together was also, or that we grouped together, was bondage. Uh, many of the questions, although they were never worded this way, we, we recognize that there's a level of bondage that's present there, uh, and, and so we want to address it under that grouping, uh, bondage. Feelings of inadequacy is another group. Uh, we want to address uh, the struggles that we often have with inadequacy. There are some doctrinal questions um, 
I've just kind of grouped them together as one-offs that they're hard to to group together in in anything more than just the heading of doctrinal. Um, Some about attire, a couple questions about our attire, and then also I think Carl has, and I didn't put it on here, but uh, a question on uh, reaching and being a witness to uh, those around us. I want to begin with relationships, and I want to focus on our relationship with God. And the question that I, I, I want to read this one question in particular, um, because I believe that there's no better place to start than understanding our relationship with God. And the question was, to what extent should I seek God's leading in my life's decisions? And, and the theme that I have recognized through um, the Lord's teaching in my life uh, in the last little while, and I see this very much in all of these questions here, uh, and it is a theme that just keeps rattling around in my brain, is that it's not about me. And the Lord has been pounding that on into my, my head so much, and he's been uh, teaching me that it, this is not about me. Life is not about me, and I struggle with that. And I, I suspect that many of you will struggle with that as well. And this question makes me think that there is a, a a degree of struggle in how much of my life do I give to God. I want to read some scriptures that are very clear on answering this question. Colossians 3, verse 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid in Christ, in God. 2 Corinthians five fifteen, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. And rose again. Um, thinking about Colossians uh, three verse three, being our life being hidden, Christ, um, Christ's example to us was He said in John five verse nineteen, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do of Himself nothing but what He seeth the Father do. For what things soever He doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Then Romans 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I understand these verses to say that how much of my life do I give to God? Everything do I give to God. God demands of us our complete and absolute devotion and surrender to him. The world will tell you very much differently. It will tell you that your careers, your uh, education, your desires, this is more of a partnership And God cannot work with half of who you are. If you want to uh, become a Christian, and if you want to be a sold-out Christian, there is no room for yourself. If you look at the um, example of Jesus Christ in Philippians uh, chapter 2, where it speaks of how he he came to this earth and he became flesh, and he took on the role of a servant, even though he was the equivalent, he was on the same level as God, he was equal with God, he made himself nothing, and God exalted him then. And to this question of how much do I give to God, everything. There is nothing in our lives that is so small that God does not want to have a part in it. In my life and in through different studies I've done and, and through different uh, uh, examples I've seen in people, God is saying, I want you to not bring your education, not bring your ambitions, not bring anything to the table except for your availability. Ability, no. Availability, complete. And when we talk about fear and how perfect love casts out fear, when we can surrender completely to God and when we can, by the power of Christ in us, be available to God, then God will cast out fear and there will be nothing that he cannot accomplish through you. See, Casting Crowns has a song that speaks of, and I want to make sure, how refreshing to know you don't need me, how amazing to find that you want me. God, for some reason, and I don't fully understand this, but he chooses to accomplish his will through us. He didn't need Moses, but he wanted Moses. He didn't need uh, Joseph, but he wanted him. And this is God's desire for you. And the world will tell you that you are everything. And and that is the the, the spirit of the age that says that you are number one. And God says, I am number one. And I want a broken, contrite heart from you. 
and you may think to yourself that this is not practical, but I have, in my own experience, I have become uh, more and more aware of just how God is so amazing in how he accomplishes things in a life that is surrendered to him. That is my goal, to become more and more surrendered in everything. Um, I, I try not to plan anything now, and that just drives some people crazy. And that's totally against my German heritage to be, uh, you know, a little bit from the hip. But it is something that I have found so much freedom and liberty in. It is so refreshing and so freeing to not have to worry about where is this going to come from. If God has told me to do something, he has thought of it already. He is prepared. He has gone and he's moved in people's hearts. How much of your life uh, and how much of uh, uh, God's leading in your life should you be looking for? Complete. The next uh, relationship that I want to touch on is uh, guys and girls and uh, male, female. And I'm speaking now more so to the uh, Christian. And some of the questions are how appropriate is it for there to be relationships between uh, men and women, young men and women? Um, How do we deal with uh, people of the opposite sex? And so I'm going to take this to mean maybe more in the lines of a dating relationship or uh, spending more time preferring one person over um, everybody else, so a little bit of a singling out, is that acceptable? And I want to challenge every one of you that if you can live a surrendered life and be completely given over to God, there is no room for anybody else in your life to be taking away that focus. If I tell myself that I want to be a Christian who's sold out to God, and yet I have somebody uh, that I have uh, chosen to uh, companion with, and I'm not talking about a marriage relationship, not at all. That is a God-ordained thing that he honors, and that's completely different than what we're talking about. But if if there's anybody in my life who's taken my focus off of God, that's where it has become a problem. And if, if I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend in the Christian context, then that person is distracting me from God. And how do you think God wants, what do you, where do you think God stands on that? If we put it in those terms, he says, I want everything. I want you completely, heart, mind, body, and soul. God wants everything from you. And if you're giving this to somebody else, uh, that's one point of, of the relationships that we have with each other. Um, secondly, I want to... Something that I've, I've encountered recently, uh, much more, and it just grieves me so much, is, and I want to read the verse in 1 Corinthians ten twelve. it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. I have been close to people who have been taken out by the devil because of sexual sin. I have seen people who uh, felt like they can take on the devil. They are mastery over temptation that they are strong enough for this. And so they pursue a relationship. They put themselves into a scenario where they are going to be tempted. And they think, it's okay, I can handle this. My parents, the ministers, everybody's telling me, you know, you got to keep yourself, flee youthful lusts. But no, I can handle this. Somebody who's so incredibly smart for 6,000 years has been honing sexual temptation. And he's been fine-tuning this art And if you think after less than 19 or less years, you can take him on and be successful by yourself, you're dreaming. I have seen so many ministries that have been destroyed. If you want to be a child of God and you want to serve him completely and fully, recognize that your life is a ministry that is his and you have no right to compromise that. My wife and I have covenant with each other that I will never and she will never put ourselves in a a position of jeopardizing the ministry that God has given us. And if that means that somebody wants to talk to me or somebody wants to talk to her and completely appropriate uh, relationship, just even the hint of a scandal is enough to say, when my wife is with me, then we can talk together. I will not ever by the grace of God, put myself in a scenario where somebody can look at us and say, what were you guys doing in that room together? I was just recently accused at work of harassment. Uh, 
and, and I, I'm free enough to share this because it was while I was in Kentucky, so it was completely uh, a false, it was just a mistaken um, identification. This person thought it was me, and I was out of the country, so it couldn't have been me. And uh, it, it just shook me a little bit because this person had the, the freedom to accuse me, and I would have had to then run and, and, and try and jump up and down and prove my innocence just because this person mistakenly. It, once the cat is out of the bag, it is very, very difficult uh, to uh, retrieve your standing in the ministry. Um, you are standing as God's child if your name is tarnished just by the appearance of evil. Sexual temptation will come. I guarantee you that. Um, there's also some thought between Christians and non-Christians, uh, pursuing more almost a dating relationship between Christians and non-Christians for the purpose of drawing that person to Christ. Again, I, I want to just, your ministry to God, you need to be completely devoted to him focused on him and it is the goodness of God that draws that person if you want to minister to that person it has to be in the appropriate uh, fashion and Carl Carl asked me to uh, include in this and I have to tell you that it shook me up pretty bad this morning but he wanted me to tell this group of people this age group that sex between Christians outside of marriage is wrong any sexual relationship outside of Christians or outside of marriage between Christians is wrong and at first I'm thinking to myself in a in a fashion like what are we talking about here are we talking about kissing holding hands and he said Thomas oral sex anal sex vaginal sex it is wrong and I have to tell you it just rocked me to think that we as Christians are accepting this as appropriate behavior. It, it makes me tremble. Bill Clinton said, I did not have sex with that woman. Have we now, are we listening to the gospel according to Bill Clinton? That oral sex is not a sexual relationship? Oh, it just grieves me to think that this is where we're going. I know that you have... I have so much hope for each of you. I have so much desire that you would live a godly life. I see a passion in you. I see a strength and a vitality in you. And if we are prostituting ourselves to the spirit of the age, where will we stand when it comes to before God? How, how can we minister grace and love to those who so desperately need an example of victory There were some also some questions on uh, relating to our parents. Um, one in the nature of, I just don't always agree with my parents. Uh, we think on different lines as a young Christian versus an older Christian, and and I, not knowing all that 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 entails. Um, I, I want to encourage each of you. We will all at times have different opinions about where we stand in God and, and uh, you know, understanding scripture. And, and so sometimes our response is, I am right, and I will prove to you that I'm right. And so in it, we don't have conversations, we have fights. We, we try to battle each other to have a victory over each other. And this will happen within a father-son or parent-child relationship all the time. I encourage you so much. If you feel that you have a clear understanding, I want you to understand your parents as well. I've been so humbled to hear how brothers and sisters from a, a generation before me, their understanding of scripture and the passion that they have. Listen. Communicate with them and listen to understand. Don't, don't listen so that you can prepare your battle or your, your reply or your retort for the next uh, to win your point. But listen with ears that seek to understand your parents or those who you disagree with. Unity is so vital and so important to Jesus. And if you, if you look through the prayer that he had uh, 
one of his final prayers, the prayer for the church, for his people. Unity was so high on that list. You have no right to disrupt the unity of, of the believers. You think you may... Uh, I, I, I want to remind you, this is not about you. This is not about me. I have no right to disrupt the unity in my church because I think I'm right. I have no right to push my liberty or my understanding and, and just say, let the chips fall where they lie because I'm right, you're wrong. I, I can guarantee you it's almost never so clear. And, and listen with compassion, with a heart to understand. I'll give it over to Carl. He'll take the next uh, next grouping. Hey, thanks, Tom. Um, one of the things I, I've, I've thought of is, you know, as I was looking out, and I, I know some of you that are here, and um, you know, there, there's things that your age group that does Bashi better than our age group did. When I see some of the young people in, in Kitchener and I, I know what they're involved in and stuff, um, I, I'm amazed. And God is working and God is doing amazing things through, through the youth. And um, I want to encourage you with that. Seek out God's will and just pursue that. And, you know, if you want a life that's exciting, that's on the edge, that's, you know, um, it's what you want, God will give you that to you, and he'll give you way more than you can imagine. And um, it's exciting, and I've experienced a lot of that. And so I want to encourage you with that. Um, the next section is on bondage. And um, I'll read you some of the questions. Um, one question was, how can you deal with fear? And the first thing that came to my mind is um, when you're dealing with fear, is what kind of fear is this? Um, doesn't isn't it's not uh, specific, but there's two kinds of fear that I can think of. Is one is a fear of God, and and some people go through life and they're just God's going to strike me down if I do anything wrong, and and that's not a healthy fear to have. Um, so God wants us to respect Him. Um, he wants us to honor Him, but not to be afraid of him he's he's a god that wants to help us through life and not hover over us and condemn us for everything uh, the other fear that we can have is a fear of men and women people and sometimes uh that could be parents you know you sneak out and they catch you uh oh what's going to happen um not, not that any of you would do that kind of stuff. Um, or, you know, Tom talked about relationships and stuff like that. Um, fear of parents. Um, and that can be crippling at times, too. And um, that's not what God intended either. And, and you've got to understand, um, when, you're, when we're talking about fear of people, um, you know, I think your parents, um, they want the best for you. And you're dealing with challenges that they don't have a clue about. You're in an era that's totally new to them. You know, they didn't even have debit cards. I didn't even have debit cards when I was your age. Um, that was something brand new. You guys have your iPods, your, your technology right at your fingertips. They don't have a clue about. So part of it is they're a little bit afraid of what is this technology and, and all this stuff doing? And so they're struggling with that, and maybe some of that is coming across, you know, and how they're dealing even with you guys. So um, that's that, that question. How do I feel, how do you deal with the fear of failure? Well, I'm going to tell you um, that's not new to anybody. I think we all struggle with that. If you ask older people, younger people, some are more to admit it, but we all deal with that. But if we look at it from God's perspective, God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He hasn't made a mistake with any of us. He, he thinks we're the best thing since sliced bread. 
He really does. He has made us unique, each one to ourselves. The challenges is when I start to compare myself with other people, I get myself in trouble. That's when inadequacy happens. Um, is it when I, I can look at Tom and say, wow, he, he can do a way better presentation than I ever could. But I don't need to worry about that. I need to worry about doing what God wants me to do. And if I, can, if I look to that, that's all I need to do. And I think if I'm honest with myself, that's where I feel inadequate is when I compare myself to one another. And there is that verse in the Bible that you probably know, and it says it's unwise to compare ourselves one with another. Um, how do I know that I've been truly forgiven? Sometimes I pray forgiveness over an... Uh, um, how do I know I'm truly forgiven for specific sins? Um, forgiveness is, um, when I think about this question, forgiveness, God forgives. God, as far as the east is to the west, he forgives. Challenges, we have a hard time sometimes forgiving ourselves. And when, when I think of this question, sometimes I think too is, there's a difference between um, you do something and you ask God to forgive you, you don't repeat it. There's a difference of when we, we keep repeating the same thing over and over. And I think God wants uh, each of us to have victory over specific sins in our lives. Some people deal with alcohol, some people with drugs, um, with um, sexual sins, different things. Everybody's unique to themselves. And um, it's easy to say to somebody else, just get over it. Come on. You know, if somebody has a problem with um, drinking too much alcohol, it's easy for me to say, just forget it. Don't do it. But to that person, that's a big deal. And one drop is poison, basically, to them. So um, that's kind of that. Um, here it talks about... Um, Some, not necessarily about um, bondage, but um, I'm converted but falling from Christ. How do I get back on track? Um, you know, if you're converted, and as Brother Tom um, talked about, you're seeking God first in your life, God has you where you are for a very specific reason. And he wants you to be active. He wants you to seek him out where you are. And he'll make amazing things happen. And um, sometimes maybe when we have our own agendas and different things, things don't work out as, as we anticipated. Um, but um, um, seek out God. And, and in all these things, I think accountability with somebody else is huge. And one of the thoughts here was it's not necessarily accountability with each other here. That's important too, you know, a best friend type of thing. But find somebody that's older. And if I, you know, in Kitchener, we, or in a lot of churches, they have this plan to protect a program now in churches and stuff. And, you know, even for drivers, what do they say? Five years older is kind of what they're looking for, is if somebody's driving the young, the oldest other person in the car is five years. So that might be a, a thought. You know, find somebody about five years older than you uh, to, to talk to. Um, um, there's, a, there's a question here um, about, uh, is there another area we get into the pornography? And that? Tomorrow, Dennis yes. and Werner are going to be talking about the way of purity. They're going to have a forum on that. Yeah, we're just going to touch on uh, the pornography and masturbation, uh, that that subject. And I would say um, the biggest thing is know your limits. Um, and if you have issues, just like alcohol or drugs or anything else, 
um, that falls in that same category, safeguard yourself. You know, there are programs, internet programs, but it's not really good for me to put a, a program on my computer and know the password. You know, somebody else should know the password. And, you know, I've heard a lot of, you know, parents have safeguards on their the computers. And, um, you know, some of you are pretty savvy on the computer, and you can get past those. Um, so uh, it, it's being accountable. It's, it's, it's raising the bar um, type of thing. And tomorrow you'll get more um, on on that. Um, and, and I think that's that's the challenge that I have for you is in the circle of friends that you have, um, they're all different. But raise the bar. You know, if if the level of spirituality among your Christian friends is here, raise it, raise it a notch. It's isn't it so easy to just keep lowering? And saying, I'll comp- let's compromise this. Who cares about this? But the challenge I guess I have for you and the challenge I have for myself in my life and the people that I associate with at work, at, at, at church, is, is to raise that bar of spirituality. You can hand up the next one. I just wanted to add something to that. Um, there's my Bible here. I want to I want you to consider um, and, and recognize that bondage. Stepping back from the particularities of it, bondage is is a spiritual struggle. Uh, there is something here that you need to recognize that this is not a flaw in who you are, but this is a very active warfare going on in your life, and at in certain activities we've allowed Satan to come into our lives and we have agreed with him in the things that he is saying to us. He's attacking us uh, mentally and physically. There are some physical things that we uh, have addictions to, such as drugs, um, those sort of physical addictions, pornography, um, uh, chronic masturbation. So those are uh, some physical addictions, and I think we need to uh, reach out to uh, the help community that's out there. There's uh, the way of purity that's being offered through our own church circles. We have the ACC counseling service that will direct you for uh, counseling in the community uh, or for help to get over physical addictions, you know, going through withdrawal withdrawal uh, programs and so on. But then there's also the mental uh, bondage that we often face. And I'm trying to give me a second here because Chloe gave me the, the words for the song that they sang last night. This is awkward because I have such a mess here now. And it was, it was the, the phrase was always ringing through my head when I was considering some of these things here. Oh, here we go. Uh, I want to read, this is uh, the third day song. Uh, but verse 2, and, and to all the people with burdens and pains, keeping you back from your life, you believe there's that there's nothing and there's no one who can make it right. Um, there is hope for the helpless, rest for the weary, and love for the broken heart. There's grace and forgiveness, mercy and healing. Mercy and healing. You'll, he'll meet you wherever you are. And this is the phrase that's been going through my mind. Cry out to Jesus. Philippians 2, when it speaks of how Christ made himself nothing, it says, but... but his name uh, will be exalted, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And when you, in the most basic way, when you are facing this bondage in sin, you need to cry out to Jesus. And you may not understand it. You may think, what do you just cry out to Jesus? And I'm telling you, yes, you need to vocally cry out to Jesus. The heart cry needs to be to Christ because Every power and principality is subject to him, and he has conquered death, and he has conquered bondage. You saw how the, through the scriptures, how the spirits run from him. They know him. They know him, and they fear him. And if you call out to him in bondage, there will be victory. 
And you need to then also, as Carl was telling us, and there are many practical applications. You need to have accountability partners. Go to youth leaders, ministers, parents. Uh, you need to uh, seek out that counsel and seek prayer. I wanted to just uh, look at some of the doctrinal, um, just to something a little bit quicker here. Uh, is evolution a theory or a fact? Um, by definition, evolution is a theory. It is an unproven fact, and uh, you cannot scientifically prove evolution as much as they love to tell you that you can. But by the same token, uh, creationism is a theory. And so before we jump up and down and say that creation is a, uh, a fact, I believe it's a fact, but not a based upon science. Um, but evolution is absolutely a theory. Okay. How does one receive peace? I think the crucial part about receiving peace is understanding what peace is. Let me give you an analogy. If I am at war with a nation, I'm a nation and I'm at war with another nation, and um, we send envoys to uh, declare peace, that there will no longer be hostilities between us. Um, we are now at peace with each other. We may not feel at peace with each other. That feeling of peace comes once we recognize the reality of peace. When I uh, seek forgiveness from God and I seek to mend the relationship that I have with God and I'm, I'm struggling because I do not feel peace, if I'm always... Um, waiting for the sign or waiting for uh, the feeling of peace. I'm oftentimes going to be waiting a long time or I'd be very disappointed. But it says in, I believe it's Romans 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a fact. If you have faith and if you trust and give your heart over to the reality that Jesus Christ is the one who mends our relationship between God, you have peace. Not the peaceful feeling, but you are at peace with God. And we need to wrap our heads around then recognizing that there's no more enmity between us. Everything is right between us then. And then God will, from there, take you and shape you and mold you and work you to that point of where you, know, through you, you know, come to the church and you get baptized and you make that proclamation. But peace is the fact so to receive peace, you have to understand it and accept it. Head coverings. This is an interesting one. In, I want to read the scriptures here. Um, it says, and I, the one that, it talks about it in 1 Corinthians 11, and I want to focus on 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 10, because this is the one that's always kind of stood out to me, and I never fully understood this. But I had a great conversation about this, and I think I have a much better understanding of it. Um, the question is, in Corinthians, doesn't it say that a woman's hair is her glory and her covering? Why then must we, in an ever-modernizing world, still uphold that 2,000-year-old tradition, but not the others? I'm not going to touch on why not the others, but I want to touch on the tradition or the, the uh, practice of head coverings. It says in 1 Corinthians 11.10, speaking of why the women should have their head covered, men should not. For this cause ought the woman to have, her, to have power on her head because of the angels. How many of you understand what that means? Because of the angels. I count myself among you. I do not understand or did not understand that. I want to look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 10 to 12. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. So they're searching for the, to understand salvation who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory. The, the, the prophets were searching the scriptures to understand um, the, the, I, the Lord's uh, teaching on, on uh, uh, salvation in, in Christ. And unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. The angels, if you consider the, the, the most famous angel, uh, Lucifer, um, his biggest problem was submission. 
He wanted, it was all about him. It, I will attain. I will reach up into heaven. I will do all these sort of things. And the angels, they do not understand salvation as you and I do. We've been revealed. Uh, we have uh, had the word of God and we can understand salvation. But they are still looking to understand this according to the scripture. And God has, in his wisdom, used the church as the vehicle to teach the angels the principalities, the powers, the ideas, and the, the mysteries of salvation. In Ephesians 3, verse 10, bear with me here. And there is a point to all this. I'm not just trying to put you to sleep here. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So with the purpose, and I'm going to read this actually in the Amplified Version, the purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all of its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might now be made known to angelic rulers and authorities, the principalities and powers in the heavenly sphere. So through you, the church, God is making known the mysteries of, of salvation and the many, uh, the many side wisdom of uh, of God. The angels need to know what submission is. The women were asked to cover their head as a sign of submission. The men are asked to uncover their head. And our adherence to those principles is a reflection of our submission. Can you? Can we find maybe some reasons why specifically covering the head had a purpose? I, I'm not sure about that. But our adherence to this teaching is a symbol of our submission, something that the angels need to understand and the angels need to, uh, to see reflected in us. Men, if, if, if it was flipped around, uh, you, you would... I, I, I deal with this often is that you know guys are always wanting to wear ball caps into... Uh, the church services as well, and praying and prophesying. And, and the, there's just as much an issue of submission in the men uh, as, there, as there is in the women. And as to speaking to whether this is a tradition that we're carrying on for 2,000 years, uh, you know, since that time, why are we still doing this? It's not necessary, but it is necessary because the need of the angelic uh, authorities and principalities, they need this lesson just as much today, or they need to see this displayed in the church as much today as they did back then. So I encourage you that this is not just to make your mom and dad happy. This is not just to uh, blindly follow uh, the principle, but to understand that by doing this, you are submitting to uh, uh, or, or showing your submission, and you are teaching the angels. So when we read in, in 1 Corinthians uh, that we're doing this for the angels, that is a, a little bit of a an idea of what that means. For this cause ought the women to have power on her head because of the angels. You are teaching. Today, you need to teach as well as you did back then, men and women. Uh, Carl, I'll, I'll hand over to Carl a little bit for now. Um, one thought that I, that I had was um, we're talking about um, relationship with with God. Um, some of the conversations I've had with um, teenagers is this idea that um, I can, uh, me and God are just like this, and we're right on, and um, we're right like we're right in tune. But the challenge I have, I, th I think, for I have for myself. And, and for each of you is sometimes I can think I'm right on track with what I'm doing in life and find out sometime later I am so wrong. And I don't know if that's happened to you, but it's definitely happened to me. And so there needs to be a balance in that. And so one of the things that you can, you can practically uh, find out if you think you're right on with God, you know, are the fruits of the Spirit evident in your life? Is there love in your life? Is there joy? Is there peace? Are you long-suffering with other people? Are you gentle? 
Is there goodness in your life? Are you looking out to help other people to be p positive? If those aspects of your life are evident and vibrant on a daily basis, your relationship with God is where it needs to be. But if those things are not evident in your life, you got work to do, and I got work to do, and that's where I think God gives us this whole life to work on these things because it's not easy. And so that's a challenge that I, I thought about with our relationship with God is there's a balance there um, that um, we can think we're right on track with God, but sometimes the practicality of where it is is, is missing. Um, got a question here. Um, I told a huge lie. It has changed my life. I feel convicted to confess and make things right, but I am, I am beyond afraid. Um, I can remind you of what the Bible says. Confess your sins one to another, and he is faithful to forgive. Confessing sins is, is huge. And I'll tell you just a, a brief, somewhat comical. Some of you from Kitchener and Sunday School would have heard this from me. But back in grade 8, I... I don't know why they picked me, but I was in a public school that was kind of out in the community, and um, I got to go get the mail. I don't know why I was picked in the school to go pick up, pick up the mail. And it was down the street, and it was a, po a post office, but across the street was this little store. And so I would take orders from school, you know, make some money. Mr. Freezy's, yeah, they're 10 cents, 12 cents. You make a little money, right? Um, gummy bears, different things like that. Um, and I did this for quite a while, but I didn't always have money enough on me to do this. One day, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, you know, back then, I don't know why, they had gummy bears and, and bulk things, and you just picked it out, put it in a bag, counted it yourself, you take it to the counter, and, um, you know, they say how many are in there, you say 100, and, and you pay for it. And um, the one day, there was a whole clump of gummy bears. And I'm like, that's one. Like, it's, it's one clump, right? That's one. And I, I thought to myself, I don't know about this. <laughs> Whatever, it's one. Go to the counter, how many do you have? You know, I have 100. You pay for it. Man, I didn't feel right. You know, leaving that place, I just didn't feel right. And I left. I'm like... Come on, Carl, that's so dumb. It's gummy bears. Like, seriously, they're a penny apiece or whatever they were, right? Get over it. Like, But you know what? For years, it kind of bothered me. And I tried to rationalize it. Like, it's gummy bears. Like, come on, like, get over it. <laughs> and, you know, years went on. I'm, I'm going to say four years, five years. It bothered me. And I, I wanted to become a Christian, but that was just something. That was just gummy bears. Like, come on. So I went back to the store one day, and I, I didn't recognize the person at the counter. And um, he's like, can I help you? I'm like, I don't know if you can help me, but I'm going to share something with you. And I, I says, you know, back years ago, I came to the store, and I bought some stuff. But there was one day I, I, I lied about how many gummy bears I bought. Well, actually, first I said I stole something. He says, should I call the police? And I'm like, mm, you can if you want, but it's not that big. <laughs> So he came back, and he said, well, what, what's going on? And I said, told him, and I said, you know, I may have taken five extra, maybe ten, I don't know. But I'm here to pay for that anyways. And he looked at me, and he goes, yeah, don't worry about the payment. And he goes, why would you do this? And I'm like, because I want to become a Christian, and um, this is just something that God's laid on my heart. And he says, well, you know, I've been a store owner. He says, I'm not the owner of the store back when you did this. But he says, in all the years, I've never had somebody do this. And it was at that point I felt a huge burden lifted off my back. Massive. Over five gummy bears? Like, seriously? But it was, and it was the confessing of the sins. But more than that, I believe what I shared with that store owner, he will never forget. And so I think God has, there's amazing healing that can take place in confessing. 
and God wants to do that in your life and my life. I think I kind of touched on this, um, the inadequacies, um, questions. Um, yeah, I feel like no one understands what I'm going through. How do I talk to someone? I feel lonely and out of place. Um, you know, sometimes what you guys are going through is I can't relate to it. And it's as uncomfortable for us as adults to talk to you about it as it is for you to come and talk to us about it. But I would encourage you just to share it with somebody and, and to have an open conversation. Um, and, and those of us, I hope, that are adults, we, we'd really try to understand what you're going through. And I know sometimes... Maybe it's a time thing or whatever, but we just say go back and just get over it and keep moving on. And um, I, I pray that those of us that are adults wouldn't just put you put you in the box. Um, I had said that you know to God we're we're uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. God thinks we're we're all right. Um, you know, not being good enough. Um, just look to look to God, and and um, He thinks we're good enough. Um, one of the other questions I have here, I'll just um, and we entitled it "Reaching Out." How can I be a witness to someone who doesn't want to hear it? You know, I think we all encounter that. Um, how can I be a witness to someone who doesn't want to hear it? Live your life the way God wants you to live your life. And, you know, it's amazing consistency. That, isn't that something that's missing in society today is consistency? You know, people have this passion of something, and I believe this, but the next day, bloop, I don't feel that way anymore. And I think that's what God wants in our lives. And, and a strong witness in today's society is to be a consistent witness consistent Christian, a passionate Christian, not just today, not just tomorrow, but over a, a span of time, a powerful witness um, in, in, in your age group especially. What is the best way to confront a friend about counseling when you know they are struggling but won't reach out on their own? Um, again, encouragement, a gentle encouragement that there's relief that there's um, victory um, when we, we confess um, and, and encourage them to do that. Sometimes um, I know I've, with different people, they're afraid to go talk to somebody, so I'll be like, well, are you comfortable with me if I come along with you? I've done that before. Um, you know, I, I've gone to the authorities with other people um, when there was things involved. Um, you know, when there was the pornography and different things involved, I've gone along with people to, um, to help them deal with things. Um, so you may be what God is using um, to help this person to reach out to somebody else too. So um, consider yourself a useful tool in God's hand in that, in that situation. I'd like to just, I wanted to touch on inadequacy. Um, see, I had the opportunity of seeing these questions since yesterday, lunch, thereabouts. And so Bob Varga and Mike Freund and myself, we've been bouncing these, these thoughts off of each other. And I just wanted to share some of the things that they had mentioned, too, uh, about uh, or some of the collective wisdom that uh, we gleaned from them as well. Um, with inadequacy, I, I need to confess something as well because... This is not just an issue that is in this room or that is, is um, solely to, with young people. Um, inadequacy is something that I struggle with a lot, and I've struggled with it a lot this week. Uh, you, I have the, uh, the responsibility of uh, presenting the final inspiration hour tomorrow night, and Satan has just been beating me up like crazy about that. 
he's like, who are you to do that? You know, people have been, you know, pressuring me and, and what they hope to see and all this. And I'm just like, Lord, I, I can't do this. This is, I'm just going to get in the way and, and I, I'm not adequate to do this. And, and so adequacy is, or struggling with inadequacy is not something that is uh, only in your uh, demographic. But some of the things that I've, I've come to realize and, and to recognize uh, there are no super people in this world. There are no super families. So when, when you are, and, and this is another one of those um, listening to Satan um, issues because he will come in and so often our inadequacies, are, our inadequacies are a direct result of him telling us that we are inadequate, that, that he's tormenting us, that you just don't have what it takes. You don't have the body image that is the proper one. You don't have the skill set. You don't have... Um, Pick your poison, in a sense, whatever it is that you're struggling with. Satan is here to interpret life for you, and he wants you to recognize and to to internalize that you don't stand up. And um, we look to the world then for what that standard ought to be, and and he's telling us, look at these people here. You know, look at the the body shape that they have whether it's men and, and being buff or women and being uh, super curvy and attractive. Uh, and then they, not only will he do you the service of t- telling you who you ought to look like, but he will then tell you the five easy steps to get there. And Satan wants to change you, and he wants you to feel so inadequate that now you have to become somebody different. And that's not the way God works. Carl reminded us of this verse that says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God made you exactly who you who he wants you to be. You look at your body's shape and you say, why am I like this? Why am I teased for being fat? God, why have you done this to me? And I know there's a young man uh, who I'm quite familiar with who struggles with that because it is partly due to, uh, you know, maybe some bad eating habits, but this child is big. And this is going to be a very tall boy, a tall man when he grows up. But his friends will never consider that, and they constantly badger him about being fat. And he needs to hear what God thinks of him. Um, When it comes to performance and we feel inadequate, I want to tell you that you are inadequate. When I ask God to tell me, uh, you know, to to affirm my adequacy to serve him, he says, well, you are not. And if we, we have to come to that recognition, recognition that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says uh, that, in, that my strength is made perfect in weakness. He does not take away those messages of the arrows that pierce our hearts. And, and fill us with these doubts and, and self-deprecation. But he says, you need to come to me. I am adequate. Christ and his sacrifice is adequate. And through me, my, and through your weakness, my strength will be made perfect. The uh, question came up. I'll read a couple of these. And this is talking about our garments, our dress. Why has it become acceptable to wear such inappropriate clothing in our churches? And how do boys define modesty for girls? Now, I, I don't... It's an interesting uh, a form. I, I can never do justice to how do boys define modesty for girls. I cannot uh, speak to specifically why has it become... Inap- why, in this person's... Uh, uh, question: Why do they feel that it's becoming inappropriate? I'm not sure why we're going those ways, but I want to turn this back to um, some of the things we talked about right at the beginning in our lives and our relationship with God. And if I am completely surrendered to God, um, and if this is not about me, this needs to percolate through all of our life. And this has to be something that is evident in every aspect of our life. Uh, I want to ask every person, and this is very typically directed to the ladies, because so many guys struggle with the visual, but I want to direct this to all the guys too. Because why are we dressing the way we dress? 
Are we dressing to draw the attention of the world to us, to highlight our attributes, to uh, promote ourselves? Or are we dressing to promote our King, our Lord? If this is not about me, and this is all about Him, am I reflecting that in, in my presentation to the world? Or am I asking the world to say, look at me, look at who I am, look at all the things that I have? So I want to put that challenge out to you, to ask, who are you dressing for? Are you promoting yourself? Or are you promoting uh, an invisible self in favor of the Christ, Jesus Christ, so that when people see you, they're not drawn to what you're wearing. They're drawn to the light of Christ in you. And I think we also need to recognize that men and women think very differently. And I want each of you to pursue uh, knowledge to understand how the other person ticks. Guys, make it part of your um, a pursuit of yours to understand the ladies and to understand things that may cause them to stumble. And ladies, I, I, the same to you. Try and understand this other half of the population and understand what it is that makes them tick and what it is that very often becomes a stumbling block to them. And I implore you for the love of the brethren, for your, your brother and your sister. Try to be somebody who will not be a, a cause of offense for them. I'm not going to tell you lengths or I'm not going to describe fashion. I don't know that myself. I know, and my wife and I have worked out in our lives what we, how we feel we can be that. But I encourage you to, for the love of the brethren, seek to understand and, and to lift them up and encourage them and be a help and not a hindrance. Where are we at now with time? 11.38. Let's wrap it up. I want to... I didn't get to everything, but I feel that the Lord uh, emphasized what needed to be emphasized. But before we get up and, and uh, cause noise, I want to ask each of you uh, or invite each of you that if you feel that you need to talk more about something that wasn't discussed or, or something that was discussed or hear the answer to the question that was not addressed, uh, feel free to come and, and ask us. Uh, I don't want to take away from Tim's uh, last practice for the teen choir. Uh, so if you, if you want to do that now, that's up to you, but uh, certainly not required. But if you are struggling with an issue and you feel you need to, uh, just pray with somebody. My wife has agreed to with me to. We're here all afternoon, and if you want to just, you know, share something with us or or ask us to pray with you, I would I would be so honored to come alongside you and uh, fight with you in this uh, the warfare that is raging for your hearts. Um, Carl, he he's offering his. Um, his email, as 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 am I. If you need to take this offline and uh, you know maybe just fire off some questions or just ask for some wisdom from Carl or myself, uh, get my email and we can take this beyond uh, tomorrow. Uh, but I I really want to encourage each of you to recognize how important that relationship with God is. How much it's not about us. How much it's about God. And before we dismiss, let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are. And I thank you, Lord, that you have come to set the captives free. You have come to bind up the brokenhearted and set at liberty those who are in prison to bring sight to the blind. Father, that's us. We suffer from all of those conditions in our hearts. In varying degrees, Lord, we... We are captive. We are blind. And Lord, we turn to you. We cry out to you now because you have promised that that is your, that is your reason for being here. That is why you have come. 
And we know through the testimony of your word that you loved us so much that you sacrificed everything for us and that you endured such agonizing pain. We see that in your cry to the Father in the garden. Dear Father, I, I pray that we would have the wisdom to turn to you, to cry out to Jesus now. Lord, I thank you that there has been an honest reply to our asking of questions. And I thank you, Father, for each person who put their hearts down on these papers, who've opened themselves up. And I pray now, Father, that your spirit would minister to them. And I pray that you would raise up saints, men and women who are willing to come alongside each of these people and to bear their burdens with them, to weep with them, to feel the crushing load of sin that is weighing people down. Help us, Father, to be ambassadors of your love. Help us to be somebody who can share the true love that you have with them. Help them to see who you are and that amazing love. Father, I thank you so much for this group. I thank you for their vitality. I thank you for their energy. I pray that your blessing would be upon them, Father. Draw them ever closer to you and give them strength. I see the future church and I have so much hope for them. And I pray, Father, that you would raise them up to be sold out for you. I pray, Lord, that this generation would just rock this world, that they would not, that your word would go out and that people's lives would be so dramatically touched by these people. And I pray, Father, that they would understand that they need to completely surrender to you and to feel that joy, that sense of purpose, and that exhilaration of being hand-in-hand with the ruler of this universe and seeing amazing, miraculous things being done in their lives, all about them. We want to lift up your name, Father. I praise you for all that you have done in my life, in Carl's life, and in the lives of each of these people here. And I thank you so much for the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the heart that beat for us and was willing to stop for a time. It's in his name, Father, that we only have the righteousness to come before you, that that privilege, and we thank you for that. And it's in his name that we now pray. Amen.